Brandon Brands. Hey, this is Mike Alton from The Blogging Brew. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to this podcast right now, Brands on Brands on Brands with my best friend, Brandon Burkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach, and I believe that building brands that matter is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in. This week, we have a guest on the show. His name is Mike Alton. He's the founder of Social Media Hat, an award-winning blog and social media agency. He's also a brand evangelist at Agora Pulse. Agora Pulse is a top-rated social media management tool. If you haven't used it, check it out. It'll help you get your content organized so you can post more regularly on social media without all the trouble. What we dive into today is content. He is the blogging guy. Obviously, he's been called the blogging brute because he can crank this stuff out pretty fast. But we dive into how to produce content more effectively, more efficiently, how to leverage blogs and why you should be using them, uh, and just how to get your content in order, what the importance of it is to a business. And I tell you, I had 100 questions. I got through as many of them as I could. And I think it's really just for the value that, that you guys can take from it. And I hope you see that there's just so much out there for you today. Uh, and if you do it right, it could really move your business forward. So thank you for listening. I hope you love it. Check it out. Brandon Brand. All right, let's get going with this. Hey, everyone, thanks for tuning in today. We have for you Mike Alton, also known as the Blogging Brute, which we'll get into what that means and how we came up with that. Uh, Really excited because what we haven't dove, dove in, dived, dived into yet. I'm not obviously a grammar expert, uh, which you you probably have that all figured out. Uh, is blogging and content creation and social media, but from that that kind of writing and, and creating side of it. Uh, so I'm excited to bring up to everyone today some of these these tactics, these resources, the, the things that'll help you figure out how to create content around your business that that will make it less confusing. And I know we all need that in our business. But first and foremost, Mike, thanks for showing up today. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love having conversations like this. You, you mentioned, you know, we have a hard stop in a little bit. I, I could probably go well beyond that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could talk forever. But, you know, I don't think people want to listen to me for more than 45 minutes at a time. You know, they get to their job or the, the workout stops or whatever it is. Uh, but if it goes there, you know, we might have to do two, three sessions. We'll see. We'll see. That's usually over a whiskey. I usually save that for later. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I want to do it. So, Mike, for you guys don't know, if I've had a few guests that have been on the show. And a few of them, namely Stephanie Liu, has been on the show. Jen Herman, people have loved, been on the show. And Amanda Robinson, haven't had her on the show, but you four comprise a group called 360 Marketing Squad in terms of like content creation and, and doing things together. That's how, I, that's how I got to know Mike. That's how I stumbled across him as a person is I met some of these other people and 
you start meeting and people like start referring to each other. Uh, what is 360 Marketing Squad? Like, what is your contribution to it? How did you guys get together? Well, it's interesting because it started as a mastermind group, uh, which is another kind of topic that, that I teach people because it's been such an impactful experience on my life. Having a group of peers and colleagues, not like a mentor to student kind of relationship, where, but we're all peers. And it started with Jen and Stephanie and I forming a mastermind group, just the three of us, where we were able to share with each other our challenges, our successes, both as marketers and as entrepreneurs, and also parents of four-year-old little girls. It was another little thing that we all shared in common that we're all able to relate. Okay, well, now we're going through potty training and now we're going through (laughs) toddlerhood and, and so on. So that group kind of formed these relationships and these professional things that were going on. And one of the things that came out of that is we realized, you know what, we all wanted to have a paid membership group where people were able to come in, you know, for a small fee and we were able to teach them and nurture them and grow with them. But we all knew from past experiences that running your own paid membership group as an individual is a heck of a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into that. And we're like, well, none of us were really ready to commit to doing that on our own. In fact, Jen didn't even tried it in the past and had to let it slide because it was just too much work. So I got to thinking, well, what if we went in on this together? And what if we created a model for the group where it wasn't as much work on an individual basis for each of us, but it could still be a tremendous amount of value for the members. And that's when we, this idea started to formulate of having three, maybe even four of us join in. And then we could do trainings once every single month, but it would only have to be one of us. So then the next person wouldn't have to go for a whole quarter and so on. So that's where the 360 squad came into being. We brought in Amanda Robinson, who we knew was super smart when it came to Facebook ads and chatbots and other kinds of automation and AI. Jen is obviously amazing at Instagram, but she's also world-renowned for her social media strategy. And then, of course, Stephanie is amazing with Facebook Live Video and Live Video in general. She also has decades of experience when it comes to the agency side. So then I come in and I offer tremendous amounts of experience when it comes to building content, email marketing, SEO. So between the four of us, we can cover anything. We can talk about anything. So we came up with the group in that way. And we let people come in for just five bucks a month. And they're able to access the past trainings because it's all inside a Facebook group. And every single month, one of us, and we take turns, one of us goes live into the group with a new training. Yeah, I love the team, the team mentality. It does help to have people that specialize in each different kind of thing, but also have a bit of a player coach mentality towards every across all platforms. Uh, and just kind of helping each other, bring each other up. It's, it's, it, you don't have to be so competitive in these spaces. I think there's enough room for everyone to play. It's, it's great that you guys, I love what you guys are doing together. I've met three of the four now, and I guess two of the four, now three of the four. And, you know, everyone's just good people on top of that. And I'm, I'm I think, secretly petitioning to be the fifth member, uh, <laughs> like an underlying, you know, the branding guy, because I have a six-year-old daughter that just turned six on Saturday, so I'm in that world, man, where I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So, you know, I might need some of those tips too. So. Yeah, I've got my oldest is seven. She's turning eight next month. And then my youngest is four going on five in October. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Right in the middle of it all, man. But I do want to get into some of the, the, the media side of things here and talk a little bit about blogging specifically. We'll call it content creation, but maybe we start with blogging. 
I want to get into like the value of it and, and what's the importance of it to someone out there who's an entrepreneur and building their business. What's the value of, you can slice it how you want, blogging or, or content creation. What is the value there behind that? I love this question because there's, there's a lot of nuance here that, that we can dig into. So for those of you listening, you, know, you probably have some social profiles. You probably created some content for social media. You maybe haven't created as much content for your web property itself. And, and to your point, you might be wondering as a listener, do I even really need to create content on my website today? And unfortunately, the answer is very much a yes. It's an emphatic yes. And I say unfortunately because I know not everybody likes to write. I'm kind of blessed and a little bit freakish in that regard where I love to write. I'm really good at writing. That's partly where that blogging nomenclature comes from is that I can blog super fast. I can write really, really fast. Now, writing is not the only kind of content that exists out there. You can create video content. You can create audio content, which is a large part of what we're doing right now, right? But that's not the best converting content, right? We can publish all kinds of video content on to YouTube and we can create audio content on podcasts and you can create visual content for social media. But ultimately, if we want to make money, that content has to drive people to a website. And once they're on the website, people need to read. They have to read. So whether it's a landing page or a blog post or an article or an FAQ or a white paper, there's lots of written content out there in terms of types, but it's all written. So we have to be able to write. And so... Do you have to blog in the traditional sense? No, you don't. You don't have to create that kind of a regular reverse chronologically published content if you don't want to, if that doesn't make sense for your business or your audience. But you're going to have to write. This is why Anne Hanley wrote the book, Everybody Writes, because we all write whether we want to or not. But we all can write, which was the other nuance of what she was saying and, and the, the, the dual meaning behind the title of that particular book. Everybody has to write, but everybody can write. So one of the things that I teach people often is if you're thinking about writing in the terms of creating like a report, like you might have for college or, or an assignment of some kind where you have to teach these things and it all has to be well-researched and that sort of thing, that may be what's tripping you up, right? I've been helping Stephanie, for instance with her writing since we first met. And she's a fantastic writer. She just didn't know it because she was getting caught up and challenged by preconceived notions of what that writing should look like. And when I started talking to her over a year ago about, hey, if you just write the way you talk, if you just share with me in writing form, the same way that you share with me in video or in face-to-face, it'll be just as good, if not better. That kind of clued her in and opened a light bulb moment in her mind. And now she writes and she writes really, really well. She communicates really well. Now she maybe doesn't publish articles as often. Maybe some of the writing is in email, which is another great place to put written content that's going to drive business results. So I would encourage you who are listening to rethink how you want to write and how you want to communicate information about yourself, about your business, about your customers, about your industry, and try to frame that in the sense that what I want to do is share with you in written form, the same thing that I might share with you verbally or via you know, video or something like that. Well, and I, I love what you said about kind of writing it like you would write to another human. I, I've kind of hammered this a few times in that when what I, what I see going wrong with a lot of uh, people taking on marketing for themselves is once they put on the hat of having to write a marketing message or an email or a, an ad, whatever it is, 
they stop being human. They start writing to some weird mystery audience, very salesy, and they don't think about if I was just writing an email or something else to my friend, or if I was writing this one-on-one, what would I say? And they lose the context completely. And people see that when they get an email that looks like a newsletter and has the content in the in the the subject matter that's very newsletter e or even says sometimes newsletter like, yeah. it's going to get ignored i'm like skip spam whatever it is but if you write it like a human suddenly we we accept that yeah in fact one of the things that i teach people is to create personas and i know some people when they hear that they're like oh i don't want to do that i want i don't want to do that but when you create a couple personas for your business what you're doing is is two things first you're thinking about who your target audience is that way you can make sure that the content that you're creating and the, and, and the positioning of your products or services is in line with actual people who might want to actually buy what you're, what you're trying to sell or, or communicate. But the other thing that happens is you can assign a name to those personas, right? I know that part of my content and part of my services are geared towards bloggers. That's me personally speaking. So some of what I'm doing is speaking to people who are creating food blogs and travel blogs and that sort of thing, which is okay, but it's still vague and nebulous. But when I put a name of Ryan on that audience and I'm assigning to Ryan very specific backgrounds and fears and goals and challenges, now when I'm creating content, I can write to Ryan and I can speak to Ryan and I can have Ryan in mind throughout all of the content that I'm creating. Again, whether it's written or video or whatever. And now I'm speaking to him on a, on a deeper level so that when people like Ryan read what I'm writing, as long as I don't literally use Ryan's name, they'll think I'm talking to them and they'll feel like I'm communicating with them and a connection will be formed between me and those people. Yeah. And, I, and I've, man, I've worked on a lot of like audience creation and avatars and profiles. And I'll tell you what's really helped, I think, for some entrepreneurs out there is to actually just write a real email to 10 real people in your business. And then to look at what's the thing that you just say over and over again and make that the email that you then templatize. Because once you're, when you're writing to a real person, like if Ryan is a real person, you're like, Ryan, last week, you know, saw you doing this. Did I just wanted to check in on how things are going with the business? You're like, oh, that's how I would write this email. Okay, now take out the things that you can't say to everybody. Like last week we did this, but, you know, replace it with something else that's a little more uh, that works. But suddenly you're like, oh, that wasn't that hard. You're like, yeah, because you know how to write an email to a human. You just, <laughs> like, it's not that big a deal. What I do want to say there, you know, I like thinking of people too, specifically. And I know, so a friend of mine, uh, I'm in a mastermind group with him. His name is Chris with the K. Chris with the K writes amazing Instagram posts. I mean, like full feature Instagram posts, beautiful picture goes with the stories traveling. And I'm like, man, you don't have a blog? Like you need to put this out there somewhere else besides just Instagram. But I'd love you to explain why, like to Chris, why does it need to live somewhere beyond just Instagram in his post? Well, Chris, <laughs> <laughs> with, with putting your content on social media solely is that it's going to be very challenging for anybody who is not currently following you on that specific profile at the time that you publish to ever see that content. So you took the time to write something interesting and compelling. Now, if this is for personal use, obviously none of what I'm about to say applies. If I'm just posting a picture of my girls 
and talking about that picture and that time spent and that kind of thing, I, I don't need people to be able to find that. But if I'm posting about an experience that I've had that relates to my blog or my business or my brand. And if I think about whether or not I would want somebody to see this in six months and the answer is yes, then I need to think about whether or not the platform that I'm putting it on is going to serve me well in the future. And that's where most social profiles miss the mark. If I tweet something that's gone in 18 minutes, it's out of the feed. So that means the only time somebody's going to see that tweet is if they go to my profile and they start scanning down. And we know most people are tweeting on a regular basis. I tweet 10 to 20 times a day at least. So within a couple of days, I will have tweeted sufficiently to have buried everything else. Facebook's a little more lasting Instagram's a little more lasting because we're probably not posting as often to those. But again, the problem becomes after a day or so, no one's going to see that content in their feed. No one's going to see it on a hashtag search. It gets buried by other posts by other people. So that means the only time they'll see it is if they go to our profile. And the only time they'll actually dig into the content is if they like the image enough to click it, right? If you go to my profile, now all you're seeing is a nine grid square of images. If you scroll down, you'll see more and you'll see more and you'll see more, but you won't see the copy. You won't see the text that I wrote or Chris that you wrote if you tap the image or click on it if you're on desktop and you read it. And even then, it's not searchable. You won't get that content discovered by your target audience. So that's where the blog post comes in. And this could be on your website. This could be on a medium blog. If, if you don't really want it on your website for whatever reason, that's fine. But if you publish that in a place where Google can see it and Google can send people to that content. Now we're talking. Now we're creating content that will last, that will potentially drive business results if it's interesting, if it's relevant, if it's educational or entertaining, something along those lines. That's what I would do. And in fact, that's what I have done. <laughs> exactly. And I love the value of that you take something that you created and you make it searchable. You make it something that where people can find, where it can live, that is discoverable. I want to get into that. But before that, you mentioned Medium and that's, this is personally selfish of me, but I've posted to Medium and to, you know, my website. What is the difference between the doing one or the other or both? There are a couple differences and then the, my favorite word, there's a lot of nuance here. So, because a lot of it depends on the content that you're creating and what your brand and business looks like and what your business goals are. So if you're creating content that's really about your brand, I think that's got to live on your website because you own that content and you're probably going to want it to be discoverable within the confines of your website. In other words, it's a web property that you've branded and you can control where people go next and so on. The other kind of extreme is if it's still business related in terms of what you created, what you wrote, but it's a little bit more about your personal brand, that might not fit as well on the business website. Like, I'll give you an example. I'm the brand evangelist for Agorapulse. I work for them full time. So if I write an article about social media, I could very easily publish it on the Agorapulse blog. But if I write something that's really more about me, like if I were to write a, a, an article about my experiences at Social Media Week Lima last week, that's probably not as appropriate to the Agora Pulse blog. It's not as relevant to the entirety of the Agora Pulse audience. That's something that maybe I would want a personal 
blog to exist somewhere. And that's where Medium or LinkedIn posts or even Facebook notes comes in as a really nice option because it's free. It's easy. It doesn't have to be 100% branded. In other words, that content still lives within the confines. For those of you who aren't watching, I'm putting my air, my hands up in the air. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. But that content doesn't exist within the confines of a branded property. And that's okay because it's really about me personally. It really is a literal blog at that point, a personal web log. And I'm just sharing my experiences. So somewhere in between that spectrum is where what Chris has wrote and where those of you listening may have created some content on a social profile. And then after you created it, realized or had someone tell you, wow, that was like five paragraphs. Uh, I wrote almost 750 words on this particular topic. Maybe I should do something with this content. Maybe I should publish it someplace. And so then you can ask yourself the question, do I have a brand blog where this might fit? Is this in line with everything else that I have been publishing? Or is it okay to pivot a little bit with that content? And this is a very subjective question. There's no right or wrong answer. Or is this really more personal in nature, in which case, it'd be nice to have a personal place to put that. I have a Facebook notes, quote unquote, blog, for lack of a better word, where I put stuff that I write that just isn't appropriate elsewhere. And one of the issues with Facebook notes is they're not very visible, but I actually like the utility of using Facebook notes. They're attached to my profile. They're super easy to use. As soon as I publish it, it's now a post in my feed. Uh, it's just unfortunate that people can't easily find them. So a lot of people turn to Medium or LinkedIn for those reasons. And would you say that it's, because I'll, I'll create content. I use all the different channels, but my question would be, is it a bad idea to duplicate? So to put my blog on my website and then to use that same blog on Medium and then embed that same blog within LinkedIn, is that a bad strategy? No, not at all. In fact, it can be super effective. Uh, Mark Schaefer, who's kind of like the, the godfather of content marketing in our industry, right? He does exactly that. He publishes to his own blog, his, his website, his .com site first. And then usually within 24 hours, he's syndicated as, as a Facebook notes. And I think he's syndicating it elsewhere at the same time. And he's been doing that for almost two years now. Uh, so he's a classic example now of how that works just fine. Nobody's complaining. He's, his business is still growing. His audience is still growing because he's putting the content where he knows his audience will be. Now, the caveat there is that in Mark's case, almost exclusively, he's publishing what we call thought leadership pieces. He's not selling through his content. All he wants is eyeballs. He wants awareness and he wants discussion and conversation engagement through his content and around his content. So therefore, to Mark, it doesn't matter where he's published. It doesn't matter where somebody sees it as long as they consume it and then think about what it is that he's said. Now, that doesn't apply to every business. Right. If go back to the Agora Pulse example, if I'm publishing a piece of content about Agora Pulse and about selecting a social media management tool and that sort of thing, I probably have a pretty strong call to action within there to go and sign up for an Agora Pulse free trial. Because for those of you who don't know, Agora Pulse is a social media management tool. So for a piece of content like that, it probably doesn't benefit me as much to have that on all these other properties. I probably want to have that on the Agora Pulse blog and I want to just promote it elsewhere and drive people into that central blog post. Gotcha. And I want to take a quick break for a second and do want to acknowledge where people can find all these 
great blogs and because I know that you have a couple of different websites, <laughs> uh, the social media hat, the blogging brute. Okay, tell me about like what what do I go to these different places for? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a very confusing, <laughs> multifaceted person in this regard because I work for Gorepulse. That's a gorepulse.com. My first blog is the socialmediahats.com. And I started the 360 Marketing Squad. So that's 360marketingsquad.com. And all of those properties have you know brand profiles and so on. So you can find them on social. If you want to follow Garpulse on Twitter, you can do so. But the thing with the social media hats, I started it years ago. And I didn't make it very, very clear that Mike Alton and the social media hat are the same thing. So there are people who know me and have no idea that I run the social media hat. And there are people who've been following the social media hat for years and never bothered to scroll down and read that it's Mike Alton that authored the articles that they've been consuming for years. There's too much of a disconnect there. And and that's partly with the name. And that's partly just the way that I poorly designed the site. It's not super obvious who writes each piece of content. So I started the blogging brute last year. And that's really a much better personification of who I am and what I like to talk about. And, and we can dig into why I did that a little bit more if you'd like. But Blogging Brood is really who I am and where I can be found everywhere. Awesome. You know, and I made this whole interview might be selfish because I'm just insanely curious about all of this that you're doing. But what I do want to know is in terms of like creating a blog and you can knock out content, you know, like at a rapid pace, which is awesome. Did you ever think about a contributor model and should other people be con- considering that? And what's, I understand the value of having your own opinion um, or building something that's more of a media platform where contributors work together. What's the, you know, what are some of the nuances in terms of using one or the other? I, generally speaking, love the idea of a contributor model. And you can even look at this both different ways from as a publisher, should I accept contributors? And as a writer, should I be guest writing on other people's sites? And generally speaking, the answer is yes to both. Now, obviously, every single business is different. And so you'll need to think about whether or not you as an individual brand or blogger might be kind of diluting what you talk about and how you establish your own authority and voice if you allow other people to publish to your site. So that's that's an individual perspective that one needs to think about. But generally speaking, I think it's great to have contributors who are giving you content. First of all, they're sharing some of the workload, right? Particularly if you have an established site and they're volunteering to give you content, which is what I have today with the social media hat, because that's been around for so long. It's established. It's got high domain authority, they say, from a technical perspective. It's a lot of traffic <laughs> for, for the non-techies. That means people want to publish to my site because they know if they publish to my site, they're helping themselves as much as they're helping me, if not more. So I get invitations all the time. That in itself is actually a little bit of a problem <laughs> because you're being emailed on a regular basis. Hey, I'd like to contribute to your site. And most of them are stock form-filled, templated emails that are terrible. And so they're easy to delete. It's the people that took the time to think about you as a brand and your content, what you've written, who you're trying to speak to and how they might be a good fit, that they actually write something of interest to you. Uh, Those are the ones that I would reach out to and say, yeah, okay, let's explore what this might look like. Uh, Shane Barker is a great example for me personally. Shane's an expert in influencer marketing. He's great at Instagram and Twitter and so on. Uh, he recently spoke here in St. Louis at the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference. And he reached out to me, first time was probably a couple of years ago, and said, Mike, I'd like to publish something 
to your site if you're interested and here are some suggestions. And it was a personal email. I could tell from the beginning that it was not a templated email. And so when someone like that reaches out to you, they're going to give you some really good content. So I would strongly recommend that you at least entertain the idea of allowing some contributors to participate in the creation of content on your site. Now, that is going to be some additional work. It's not a total hands-off experience for the brand. You're going to have to work with the contributor to figure out what it is they're going to write about. And then you're going to have to receive that content and you're going to have to edit it. You're going to have to at least review it and potentially make some changes to it. So make sure to make sure that it fits what you want to convey as a brand, the message that you're sending, the the details in terms of, you know, specifically what are they saying? For instance, as mentioned, I work for Agorapulse. So if a contributor comes to me and they give me a piece of content that talks heavily about an Agorapulse competitor, we're going to change that. <laughs> I'm not going to let that go through uh, for obvious reasons. And you as a brand you're going to have the same thing, right? The, the writer isn't going to know every little detail about your brand, the experience, your competition, and so on. So you're going to want to review it from that perspective and you're still going to publish it and promote it. So there's still going to be some work involved, but you didn't have to write it. So for those of you who hate to write, this is a great solution to that problem. The other end of the spectrum is, is the guest writing, which I, I, I think is a really good idea to, to raise awareness of your own personal brand as well. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, I, you know, anything you can do to generate discovery, I think is huge. I mean, that can be a whole topic in and of itself is how do you then get eyeballs to find these things that you are creating before that. And also a little tip for a little, uh, a, tr- a little extra something incentive for the, the listeners a little bit later, I'm going to ask Mike how to create content faster. And, and does he have any tools to help us with that to, to become more brute ish, if you will. But before we get into that, uh, what are you interested in writing about these days? What are the topics that are coming to you more naturally? What are the things that are just kind of, you're finding yourself as like, it, you, I know how it goes. You start writing, you're like, I keep writing about the same thing right now. Like what's exciting for you right now? Yeah, there's two things. Uh, first, I've kind of doubled down on blogging, obviously with the, with the blogging brute. Uh, the social media hat was actually the second site, second blog that I created. Before that, I had been blogging about all things digital marketing. And come to find out that wasn't really the the best idea. So I I went with the social media hat and was writing about social media, but also blogging and email marketing and SEO. So it was still too much. (laughs) It was still too broad. And so one of the things that I did last year was I was doing some digging through my Google Analytics and I saw that I had about 100 articles about blogging on the socialmediahat.com that combined over the course of the third quarter of last year got a total of 250 page views. So that's a hundred articles over three months, 250 page views. That sucks. That's, that's terrible. Now this is a site that gets 60,000 page views a month. So it's not, it's not the site. It's the content on that site. So I made the determination to move all 100 pieces of content, all 100 articles about blogging to a brand new property. That's how blogging was formed. In that process, I kind of rediscovered my passion specifically for blogging and content marketing. So that's one of the things that I really love to write about today. And I'm going to keep doubling down on that writing more and more. The other thing that I've found I really enjoy talking about is influencer marketing. Mostly because that's what I do in my day job uh, at Agorapulse. My job is to work with the influencers in the social media space. So I've kind of become an expert 
on influencer marketing. And frankly, our ambassador program at, at Agorpulse is so successful. I've got other brands asking me, Mike, how are you doing this? How are you getting all of these social media influencers to talk about your brand? They stand on stage, they, they, they write in blog posts, they do videos and so on. And, and they mention our brand over and over and over and over again. And other people want to know why. And I kind of have fun talking about it. I think that's awesome, but I, I want to get back into what you, you did something that didn't, didn't strike me as the normal way to think about it, which is you took the worst performing content and said, this is special. I'm going to, I'm going to invest my time into this instead of taking the things that were working the best, you were looking for the worst and figuring out what to do with that. Why? <laughs> that's funny. I like how you put it. This is special because I know how to do SEO. I know a lot about SEO and I know good content and I know what should rank and what shouldn't rank. And and for those of you listening, I, I think it's important to understand I've been doing this for a long time. And it's not that I think I am that great of a writer. It's that I've been doing it long enough to recognize that the content that I create today is really good. And to be fair, the content that I created eight years ago was really bad. So I've, I've grown and I've improved and, and that sort of thing. All that's to say, I created a particular piece of content, how to start a blog. And this particular piece of content, gosh, I think it's 16,000 words. I mean, it's, it's epic. It's an ebook in a blog post form. And I wrote it to rank well for how to start a blog. That was the whole point. I wanted to be the number one result for how to start a blog. And I wasn't even close, even though I published it, even though I checked all the boxes, even though it's on a site that gets a lot of traffic, even though I did all the things that you're supposed to do, it was languishing right around page four or five. And there's all kinds of content ahead of it or that were ahead of it that shouldn't have been, that we're not as good, that we're not as strong a piece, that you know people wouldn't go through that and be like, yeah, this is amazing. So that's what kind of clued me in that there was a deeper issue. And again, I went back through a lot of my other pieces about blogging and they're not all fantastic, but a lot of them are really, really good. A couple of years ago, I wrote a piece about how to promote blog posts. And again, it's an extensive, like 20,000 word epic piece of content, every way you could think of to promote your new content. I dive into it, dive into it and uh, really help people understand what they're supposed to do and all the different things they can do to get more eyeballs on their content. And again, it just wasn't performing. And so that's what kind of led me to believe, you know what, it's, it's not the content. There's something else going on. And that's when I started to think about the relationship between those specific pieces that I was writing and the rest of the content on the socialmediahat.com and why those pieces of content were ranking well, because it turns out pretty much anything that I write about Facebook is going to perform exceedingly well. I mean, like amazingly well. And it's ridiculous stuff. Like, how do I link to a particular Facebook post? I'm the number one ranking on that. I get hundreds of people a day who apparently don't know how to link to a Facebook post and they want to Google it. Um, I, I wrote an article a couple of years ago about uh, how to mention and tag people on Facebook. And this one was a little more deliberate on my part uh, in terms of I, I knew this would rank well. And it does. I get 200 people a day looking at this one article about how to mention other people or how to tag other people and that sort of thing. But it's all about Facebook. And there's some other articles that, about Twitter that rank well. And that's what that site really, really excels at. 
So I thought, well, let's test this idea. Let's test this idea that it's better to niche down and get more laser focus in your content. And it's better to have a site that's super, super focused in terms of what's being published. And so let's see what happens when I take out all this content that's underperforming. Yes, but it's also about something different. I mean, most people would understand and agree that blogging is not the same as social media. I obviously didn't understand that eight years ago, but they're not the same thing. And Google understands they're not the same thing. Google understands that, duh, Mike, you named your site the social media hat. Social media is in there. It doesn't say anything about blogging. So I put them on a different property. I put them on bloggingbrute.com and I made the entire site about blogging and content marketing. And now those 100 articles that were getting approximately 50 views a month now get closer to about 300 views a day. Wow. It's baffling <laughs> that there's, there's that much importance around the context. It's funny. It's like if I had to get real layman's with it, it's like when you know your kid is a smart kid and they're for some reason not succeeding, you're like, maybe I should change the environment. Maybe I need to put them in a place that better serves their needs or whatever the thing is. And maybe that's an extended analogy. But I, I think at the end of the day, the idea, yeah, that people aren't necessarily looking for the thing that you are creating where you've put it as opposed to where, where it can be. I love that you've, you've built this thing that obviously people want the information and need. They just couldn't find it. Man, that's actually a perfect analogy because I went through that exact same thing about five months before. My little girl, who was three at the time going on four, was in a Montessori environment and she was super struggling. Even though I know she's smart, I know she can behave, I know she can listen. She wasn't listening. She wasn't behaving at all. We were getting calls and text messages from the teacher saying, hey, uh, we got to fix this because I've just about had it and so on. And we even took her in to see specialists to, you know, okay, does she have some kind of learning disorder or something going on that's keeping her from doing well. And eventually we pulled her out of the Montessori, went all summer, just a regular summer vacation. And then in the fall, we put her in a completely different school, a more structured standard school, for lack of a better uh, phrase, instead of kind of a loose Montessori where kids are kind of self-directing. Uh, and now she's great. No issues. All year long. Different environment, different results. Yeah. And I wish I could say it's the first time I've heard that, not just that school, but just in general, like changing the environment works. I had a, a, fr a family member who moved their child to from one school to a Catholic school, even though they're Jewish, but that school just happened to support that kid better in whatever way it was, whatever reason it was, it's just sometimes it's the environment. Uh, so I love that. If, if there's something that's not working for you guys, maybe, and you know, you put the work into it, you've done the right things. It might just be about figuring out, is it in the right place where either people can find it the way they need to find it? Uh, is the context right? Is the environment right? I do want to jump into some of these, some of the tips to help the entrepreneurs out there that are thinking, how do I get this now? How do I do this stuff for me, for my niche business, for my industry, whatever that thing is? And how do I do it faster? I, I barely have time. That's the biggest complaint I get from entrepreneurs. I have no time, especially for marketing and those priorities. How do you create content faster? And, and I know you have some tools that might be able to help them. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, there's two aspects to it. The first is to have a tool. I use Evernote. Now, this tool in and of itself isn't going to make you write faster. But I think it's so important to have a single place where you can put your ideas for content and you can write that content and you can even share it with other people. Uh, you can share Evernote notes with other people and get people collaborating on your content. That's super important because I always have my cell phone 
with me, no matter what. It's always with me. I just like reached out and grabbed it for those of you listening, because it's always nearby, which means even when I'm not home at the office, if I'm out someplace else and an idea comes to me for a piece of content that I might want to write, a question comes to mind that I know I might be able to answer for my audience, I can pop it into Evernote right then and there, and I won't ever forget it. This is where so many people struggle with writing and why it starts off taking so long because they don't know what to write to begin with. So if you have to spend an hour just trying to dream up something to write, you've wasted an hour of your time that you could have been better spent putting pen to paper, so to speak. So start with Evernote. I create a notebook called Blog and in there I start to pour in ideas from wherever they come. If you create a five-paragraph essay on Instagram, Copy and paste that into Evernote and consider turning that into a blog later. If you're on a Facebook group and you're answering somebody's question, uh, Stephanie Lou was amazing at this just last week. She wrote this great article answer on somebody in Facebook and she even commented, I'm channeling my inner mic as I write this. I said, that's great. Now put it into Evernote so that you can turn it into a blog post later on. I've done this countless times. I've spent the time to answer somebody's question on social media. And then I copy and paste it into Evernote and eventually that ends up making its way into the blog later on. That's the first step. Get that system in place so that you're always tracking these ideas. And then you can later turn them and develop them into blog content or page content or FAQ content or even video content, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And I, I love that. I mean, I use Evernote myself. I love just the idea that I have a place to park things. And because if you don't write them down, you're going to lose them at some point. So parking them is, is awesome. So what else you got for us? Yeah. So then the second thing is to reiterate what I said before, which is to partly talk the way that you would or write the way that you would talk to other people, but also try to focus on writing based on what you know. In other words, don't make it a research paper because if you make it a research paper, you have to do research and that takes hours and hours and hours. And that's usually the number two reason why people end up coming to me and be like, Mike, I I haven't published in six months. I just don't have the time. And so what was the last thing you tried to work on? Well, I was studying how to do this and I was, you know, getting bogged down in the research and it was taking me, you know, weeks to sort it through. And I'm like, well, why are you writing about that? If you don't already know the answer, why are you writing about that? I want to know what's in your head. You know, Brandon, I want to know how you would change the branding on this particular message. Or or Ryan, I want to know how you would tackle the issues with this residential roof or whatever it is that you're doing for your business. You've got a lot of information in your head. And that's what I want you to pour out in your blog post. Pour out the stories, pour out the answers to the questions, pour out the information that's in there. And I promise you, it will come out so much faster compared to something that you don't already know. And you've got to go look that up and do some research and some homework and gather screenshots and find quotes and and cite your sources. That's college material. We don't want to do that. We don't want to read that as consumers. I want to read what you know. I want to learn from you. So pour that into your writing and it will go so much faster and smoother and you'll be happier for it. You know what? I didn't think that I think I avoided writing for the longest time. I mean, I, you know, 17 years at ad agencies and I had, didn't write a single point of view article that wasn't like a request from a client to fulfill a project. I didn't do anything outside of that in terms of thought leadership. And I was like, this is, maybe I just can't do this. And the first day I sat down with it and I was, I was in my, entre- my entrepreneurship journey, uh, first time I sat down with it and just started writing, I didn't have any preconceived things about what I wanted to talk about. I just started writing what I was thinking or feeling and it, it just flowed because I didn't 
I didn't constrain myself to having to do something in particular. I just had a kind of an idea in my head that was like I had a feeling about something and that feeling drove the writing. And it was written in very like layman's terms and whatever it was, but it was so much easier. I think I like was done in less than an hour, fully like top to bottom. I was like, oh, this isn't hard. I could do this all the time. But it, with the times that I tried to make it more specific to your point, I tried to make it like a more research intensive piece. I struggled more because it wasn't flowing for me naturally. And I think it's better like, I like writing and then I can fill it in later. Like if I need to support something with research, that's great, but it has to start organic. That's exactly right. I mean, if you want to say as part of a larger article that X number of people are using Instagram, well, once you've written that, you can go Google that number and you can, you can insert that fact if you want to. But yeah, to try and make it a research-based thesis, ah, nobody wants to read that, let alone write it. Yeah, because then you lose the passion along the way. If you're starting with the passion and you get through all of that, you get that out of you and then you support it, they can still feel the passion. If you try to insert the passion later, that's where it, it just doesn't work. It, it, people rec- recognize that that's not, not there. So, so, what else? so 10 times faster, 10, 10 times more content. I know that's kind of the, the, the thing that, that I think we can get from you here. Are there more tips? Am I missing something? Yeah, because I I love that you mentioned the 10X. 10X is something I talk about quite a bit. In fact, it's one of my signature presentations, how to create 10X content 10 times better. I don't mean 10 times more content. I mean 10 times better content. Because one of the interesting things that can happen once you're on this path of creating content that's very purposeful and it's very good for your readers is that you don't actually have to publish as often. Now, we all need to publish a lot to get started. HubSpot's done some studies and they've looked at you know, approximately how many pieces of content corporations have and blogs have and so on and when they can expect to start to see results. And they saw that on average, you need to have like 50 pieces of content in your archive before Google really says, oh, okay, that's what you're about. Now I'm going to start to rank all of your content higher for those kinds of related keywords. I don't want to get overly into into the SEO, but just understand that you're probably going to have to have several dozen pieces of content in your archive in order to begin to see exponentially improving results month over month over month. But once you get there, you don't have to publish as often. Now, we want to publish a lot to get started because we usually don't want to wait a year to get to that point or two years. But once you're there, you can publish less often. Like I don't publish every week anymore. And I rattled off three or four different properties in which I could be publishing. I am not publishing that often anymore. But what I do today, when I do publish, it's epic. I mentioned earlier, a 16,000 word post and a 20,000 word post. For me today, usually my minimum is like 2,500 or 3,000 words because I'm trying to go into as much depth as possible on these topics. I do not publish 500 word blog posts today because they just don't cover the topic as much as I could. And I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my readers if I just tell them, hey, you should, if someone's new in your email list, you should send them five or six emails over time. Full stop. Well, that doesn't help you. Okay, well, what am I supposed to email them, Mike? Can you please share with me some examples? So that's what I do instead. I go into detail. Oh, yeah, here's six examples of emails you could be sending and why. So that's what I do today to make my content 10 times better. I go that extra mile, that extra distance to help my audience understand all the nuance, all the details on a particular topic, and more importantly, why? Why do I care? Why should I care about this? What is this going to do for my business? What if I did this? 
what might happen? Those are the questions I want to answer. I love it. I love it. And do you have, I know you said you might have a resource for, for some of the listeners out there. Yeah, there's a couple of things. If you're, if you're just starting this content marketing journey, there's a workshop that is on bloggingbrute.com. It's a take you about three hours to go through it. And at the end of that workshop, you will have determined who you should be writing for and what that content should look like. And it's not just about creating blog posts that are going to be published in reverse chronological order. It's about understanding what you're building with that content. What are you trying to attain? What are you trying to rank for? And what kinds of pages and blog posts should you be publishing that are going to actually help achieve real business results. So that's something I would encourage most people to go through. And then if you're just creating blog content because you want to monetize some of the things that you're doing, right? Maybe you're a travel blogger, food blogger, or those kinds of things, which is great. I've got a planner on my site, the Ultimate Blogging Planner, that will help you kind of map out what the next 12 months of content is going to look like, who you can be talking to, what events you should be going to, what keywords you should target, those kinds of things. So there's definitely some resources for everybody on bloggingbrew.com. Awesome. I mean, that's a huge value, guys. I hope you guys go and check it out today. I really could ask a hundred more questions today. Um, I'm holding myself back because it's <laughs> just personally vested in this. But I do want to ask you what I ask uh, every guest that comes on the show, uh, which is I'm sure relevant for you as you had to build your own brand along the way. What I like to say is branding or selling, which of the two is more important long-term for a business and why? Branding, 100%. Because with your brand, you're, going, you're doing a couple of things. You are establishing authority and awareness. So you are determining a direction for your business that other people are going to be able to see and recognize and say, oh, okay, that's what Brandon's about. That's what Mike's about. And if you are able to do that successfully, you don't have to sell. People want to buy from you. Part of the branding is really relationship building. So you can look at it as though I'm a business and I've created a name for my business and I want more people to recognize that name. That's fine. But it's more than just that name recognition. It's about what does that mean to the individual when they see that name? What feelings or memories or emotions does it evoke? Is there an experience related to that? So when people begin to think about Mike Alton, me personally, I have a personal brand. And for years, they've associated with blogging. Even though my site was the social media hat, I was known as the blogging brute. That's a name that was given to me in 2015. So there was a disconnect between the social media hat and who I was and who I was recognized as an individual. And part of that's relationship because I'd spent so much time working with other people, helping them with blogs, not just as a paid consultant, but one-on-one with you know, people that I know, colleagues and peers. So I developed that brand and then I developed the business to go around it. Now I don't really have to sell. People talk about me and they talk about my expertise as a blogging expert and they recommend me for consulting gigs and speaking gigs and to be involved in books and so on. I mean, I love that. And even to take a step back, this the, the knowledge that you, it takes time to get content to be working for you. And yeah, you can't just write three how-tos about your business and expect people to find it, that it might take 50 or so things for the, before the, the, the algorithms start recognizing that you are out there. And then you got to con- continue to be consistent and, and keep going. You can't just build it and, and leave it alone. I think that alone is huge. It's the same mentality across all these platforms. You, you can take that principle and apply it. Like this podcast is a good example. 
it's going to take a while for it to keep like, one user at a time, a couple users at a time until it starts to you know pick up. But if you got to be committed to that journey, and I appreciate that you, you've laid that out there for blogging as an example, but also for, I think for content in general, it's, it's a long game. And if your goal is shorter term, you've got to find a new tactic to layer on top of this, this content play as well. Yeah, there really are no short-term tactics. There are no shortcuts to any aspect of marketing. I and mean, we can talk about influencer marketing, social media content. It all takes time. Right, exactly. Well, gosh, Mike, I appreciate having you on today. What else, if I had to leave one little thing like the, for the entrepreneurs out there, the, the thing they should be st- starting to do today to get better at this before we sign off, like what would it be? Set aside time every single day to write whether it's 20, 30 minutes a day or maybe a couple hours on a specific day. Like for me, it's usually the weekends. My girls, I mentioned, they're young, so they still nap. So Saturday and Sunday afternoons are kind of like daddy's time to to be totally uninterrupted. But if that's not you, find 30 minutes a day just to write. And it doesn't have to be, I'm going to write about this. I, I loved your example earlier, you know, where you just sat down and you started writing about whatever was coming to mind. It was very free flowing. That's great. Do that and everything else will be much easier. All right. And I, and I almost say try different times, like when you're scheduling, because sometimes the one you pick isn't when you're feeling creative. So when you start to feel when that happens for you, it might be a consistent thing each week, or maybe it's not, but you think you got to give yourself the freedom to figure that out, like when that works for you. I thought it'd be in the mornings. It's not for me. It ended up being like at four in the afternoon. Most people are tired. I'm like in writing mode. So you got to <laughs> figure that out. You got to give yourself the, the freedom to figure out your time. Yeah, Absolutely. Mike, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, I know we gave the websites, but like, what's the easiest place to contact you if they want to like say hi to Mike? Well, if, the, if you want to say hi to me, facebook.com slash Alton, that's me, Mike Alton on Facebook. I'm very responsive on all the networks, but Facebook is kind of where I live and breathe. Uh, so you can catch me in you know, DMs and private messages there. Right. And we have the bloggingboot.com and the socialmediahat.com. Is that with the the at the beginning? Yes. Yeah. Right. Because I went to Ohio State and at Ohio State, it's the Ohio State University. And I thought that was clever. And so I decided to do that with my own website and domain. And that was a dumb mistake. So those of you listening, here's a quick tip. Don't use the article V in your name. I think it creates an air of authority. I appreciate that. Oh, Mike, I'm definitely going to have to bring you back. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time today. I think there's been so many knowledge bits that people are going to have to keep rewinding uh, and listening to, to catch them all. But thank you so much. I really appreciated our time today. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.